the Clippers lose a pivotal game five, the Celtics shake things up, and we continue our NBA draft profile series, how all of this impacts your Oklahoma City Thunder and much more, all coming up on the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we have another 2021 NBA Draft Profile giving you all you need to know about a possible Thunder prospect. The Clippers lose a pivotal game five, and the Celtics just turn the NBA world on its head. All that and more coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Let's talk first about our NBA draft profile, and then we'll ease into the NBA news that impact the Thunder, the Celtics news heavily impacts the Thunder, and the Clippers news heavily impacts the Thunder. Let's start, though, with our draft profile, and today our draft profile is James Bugnight. The overall overview of James Bugnight is that he's a 6'5 guard that weighs 190 pounds. If you do a Google search of James Bugnight's wingspan, it's like 7'2". We'll see what his actual wingspan is uh, on the NBA Combine Day As he gets measured, he's going to be 20 years old during the draft, went to UConn, and he is a pure bucket getter. I'm not sure what he'll do besides that, but I am sure James Bugnight will get you Buku buckets. So let's get into the strengths and weaknesses of James Bugnight. Number one, he's a great finisher at the rim. He can truly create for himself offensively because of it. Because he can score at all three levels, because he can attack them efficiently and finish through contact, it allows him to create shots for himself. Now, being a creator doesn't always mean a playmaker, right? Because he can create shots for himself, he can get to his spots, he can score anywhere on the floor, but he's not a really good playmaker at all. Like, he's not a good setup guy. So he's really going to be shoehorned into that combo guard. There's no real flexibility of sliding him over to the point guard position in my mind in the NBA level, which for the Thunder, not a big deal. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, but great finisher, great offensively. He has the tools and the measurables, especially if his wingspan's accurate. He has the tools and the measurables to be a good defender if he wants to. He just has not really shown it yet at the college level. But if he locks in, if he, if he put his mind to it, so to say, he could be a really good defender because it's not like it's not like a Trey Young scenario where if, if Trey Young tried his hardest to be an elite defender, he could never get there, right? If Trey Young tried his hardest, he probably can't even get to be an above average defender. Like, no matter how much effort and energy he would give you, he just simply does not have the makeup of being a good defender. Bugnight does. It's a matter of getting him to want to do that. 
And Mark Dignott's put a big emphasis on defense and on closing out on shots and, and contesting shots at the perimeter and perimeter defense. So if the Thunder draft him, at that point, you'd imagine that they feel pretty confident in his ability to become a really good defender, even though he didn't really show it too much in college. But he is a pure scorer and, and probably the best bucket getter in the class, like the best, just the best true walking bucket. I, I wonder, because of his ability to get to his spots and because of his ability to create shots for himself, if he would be the best one-on-one player in this draft class, like even better than Cade at the one-on-one game, that'd be a really fun combine thing to add is just a one-on-one tournament. I think that in that tournament, I'd pick Boog Knight to win it. But I love what he brings on the offensive end, and I do like his ability to progress defensively, right? The the ceiling of his defense. Now, on the negative side of things, we talked about his playmaking. He cannot set you up. He cannot create for others. He can create for himself. And... Honestly, I'm not really sure if that's a big area of focus for his progression, right? Like if you put together a, prog- a progression plan for James Wood Knight right now, what you would really want him to focus on is not even playmaking. It's about becoming a more consistent uh, shooter and filling in that defensive potential. Because if he can't create for others, I don't really care because he can create for himself. And then at that point, it'd be on your point guard to set others up and the Thunder have a really good one in SGA. So it wouldn't really matter to me if, if Boog Knight never becomes a good playmaker, but he's not a very good one right now. Um, he does check out defensively. He does kind of play one-sided, right? Because you're exerting so much energy and, and so much of your talent on the offensive end when you're a scorer the way that Boog Knight is that you kind of just have nothing left to give on the defensive end. Uh, and that he never really found that balance, right? He never found that, that kind of ability to make the scales go even. He was always overdoing it offensively and not doing anything defensively. But it's not for a lack of size or a lack of makeup in terms of his body and, and what he can fill into. So the defense needs work. Playmaking needs work, but I don't think you ever will work on it. I don't think you ever really need him to fill that role. What you do need him to fill, though, is being a better shooter, especially on the catch and shoot. Because if you're not going to ask him to be a point guard ever, which I don't think any team should, you do need him to spot up shoot. You do need him to be able to catch and shoot off ball and allow SGA to, to facilitate to him. Because SGA is great. And SGA is elite by the numbers at the drive and kick. He has so much gravity whenever he drives that it'll allow even a guy that can score at the clip that James Wood Knight can, it'll allow him to have open shots at the three-point line. But he has to be able to knock them down. So becoming that consistent scorer can open up the game for him a lot, especially while playing for the first time ever, really, next to an elite point guard. Like, he never really had that UConn, like a point guard that could play the way SGA can play and can facilitate the way SGA can facilitate. So if James can figure out a way to not only be a great bucket getter on his own right and with the ball in his hands, but also capitalize whenever SGA makes a great play, then he can become an elite scorer in this league, like like one of the very best in this league at just going out there and scoring. And so it creates this weird vibe or weird read on Boog Knight on, in, the ter- in the terms of like where he's going to go in this draft. He's kind of all over the place. He's by far the most erratic player we've dealt with so far in these player draft profiles because Kevin O'Connor of the ringer has him at 21 ESPN has him at 19. The athletic has him at nine. I have him at eight bleach report, 17 CBS, 15 NBC, 16 draft net, 16 and tankathon 13. He's everywhere across the board in terms of availability. And it's hard to truly pinpoint why is it because you don't value the fact that he has that one trait or you look at him as a one-trick pony, so to say, in the way that all I know for sure that James is going to be is a good scorer. I don't know he's going to be a good defender. I don't know that he'll ever become a good playmaker. I don't know that he'll ever become an even good spot-up shooter. But I do know he can create for himself. 
but that's only one known and a lot of unknowns. So maybe that's what's pushing him down big boards. But I just think if he's a good scorer in college, like, like to the level that he was a great scorer in college, with the lack of spacing, with the lack of teammates helping him at UConn, with all of that being said, if you plop that skill set into the NBA game with better spacing and better teammates, that it can allow him to rise up even more as a scorer. I really like what he can do on the floor because a reason that I have him so high comparatively to, say, Kevin O'Connor or, or, or any other outlet is because in this range of 7, 8, 9, 10, he feels pretty safe. He has a very high ceiling and a very, very high floor as well. We're going to get into his ceiling and his floor and also his NBA comps as well as how does James Booknight fit with this Thunder team, with this Thunder as a potential roster fit, rotational fit, future fit, why the Thunder should draft him, why the Thunder should not draft James Booknight. We're also going to get into the Clippers meltdown in game five, losing to Dallas once again on their home floor. And then we're also going to talk about the Boston Celtics and how their shakeup today almost heavily impacted the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're getting to all of that and more on the Locked On Thunder podcast coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, very good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you could have gone to rockauto.com. Now, I couldn't have gone there 20 years ago because I was three years old, so it wouldn't have worked for me as a three-year-old, but you could have. And, and you know what? The best time to go to rockout.com was 20 years ago, but the second best time is right now. Go to rockout.com. Tell them that Lockdown sent you and the how did you hear about a Spox, and they'll know what to do from there. My favorite part about rockout.com is I know nothing about cars, and that makes me perfect for being their spokesperson because... I don't have to know anything about cars. It's kind of intimidating to go into a, another local auto parts store and being in person without knowing what you're looking for and knowing what you need. You feel like you're going to get bamboozled, hoodwinked, run amok. That's not the case at rockauto.com. Not only do they not jack up the prices and they have very reliably low prices, but it saves you a lot of time because their website, their beautiful, beautiful website is so easy to navigate. All you have to do is put your make, your model, your year into their database. And they're only going to show you car parts that are compatible with your vehicle. That way, you're not wasting time, money, resources on parts you cannot use, parts you do not need. So check them out today, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com has an amazing selection. They have reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you. Anyhow, did you hear about us, Box? We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Let's start with the floor and the ceiling of James Boog Knight. The UConn product has a very high, high ceiling. I think if all goes well, he can be a second option on a championship team as a scorer. Like of a really good championship caliber team, he can be that second go-to scoring option, that second go-to player that you want to feed off of because of what he can bring offensively. I think his floor is equally as high because I think for his floor, he's a pure sixth man of the year microwave score. He's a Jordan Clarkson type, a Lou Williams type. He's just a absolute bucket getter off the bench. And as we talked about before, when you're building a championship team, most 
importantly, outside of capturing those two, three stars, is finding a way to not allow your drop-off to be that significant. Whenever you're going from those top starting groups to your bench unit, you can lose a lot of ground. And having a sixth man, seventh man, like a James Boog Knight who can come in instantly and heat up your offense and keep your offense afloat, that's a great, and I mean great asset to have. It's, it's, it's a very, very good luxury. It's like having a Tesla. It's, a, it's awesome. The NBA comps, same thing on the spectrum. You can get a CJ McCollum out of this guy. You can get a Jordan Clarkson out of this guy. Like you can get one or the other, and I feel pretty confident that he will not go below that floor. So like I think that in the range of picking 7, 8, 9, 10, in that range right about there, can you do a lot better than a guy who at worst will be a great sixth man and win six man of the year awards at worst. I'm not sure you could do a whole lot better than that. So I move him up because of his floor coming up a bit on all those factors. So how does he fit with the thunder? You would hope again, that he's going to be more that, that ceiling of a, a CJ McCollum type and be an NBA starter now for next year. Like he'd be a starter on this team just because you're, you're going to be trotting out a lot of young guys this year uh, again, but maybe he'll be like a six man of the year rotationally, you know, long-term or starter as we just went through the roster impacts, really none. Like there's no, there's no real casualty for bringing in James Boog Knight. Like you don't have to sacrifice anything because his size and wingspan should allow Mark to play him at least at the two and the three and give him some flexibility there. His offense is really good. No real impact on the roster in terms of anything you have to shake around. And I do think that he plays off ball well, of course, and that off ball will be his best trait. So there's no real conflict there with wanting guys like SGA and Poku and these other players to have the ball in their hands more. Now, why the Thunder should take him is because of the enticing ceiling on the offensive end. Because he can be elite at something, right? And not very many players out of the top five can be elite at something. James Knight can. So that's why you take the swing on him. Why you shouldn't take him is that you're not fully sold on his offensive ability translating to the NBA game. And maybe you think his floor is a lot lower than a sixth man of the year quality of player. Look, the Thunder, for their individual pick, are only going to fall to eight. So they'll have, like, a lot of, of options, right? And so you might not like the fact that the only thing you can project to be elite for James Boog Knight is his scoring. While he might be closer to that elite trait of scoring and, 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 re, and realizing that elite trait of scoring, there might be another player who you view that, that could possibly be elite at three or four things, right? If you just give him the time to grow. Similar to what you do with Pokoshevsky. Pokoshevsky was incredibly raw last year at last year's draft, and he has that potential to become an elite a lot of things, right? An elite scorer, an elite playmaker, an elite ball handler, an elite defender, if he can put on the weight that he needs to do, like the needs to, like an elite rebounder at his size. He, he can do a lot of things if you give him the time to do it and if he and if he can reach that potential. Whereas the only thing I can project that James might do elite is that scoring. So so it's kind of balancing those two things. But I do think it's more realistic that James Pugnett will, will become elite versus any of these other players in this realm hitting on two or three traits at that level, right? So the scoring will counterbalance all the other things that these players could possibly do well. But it's all about your perspective and how you look at that. And I think that the Thunder might just want to take a swing again. You just might want to see who has the highest ceiling and also the lowest floor because they, they believe in themselves, they believe in their developmental staff, 
that they're not going to let that player hit their lowest floor. So that's another area where the Thunder might not want to take James Boog Knight as, a, as an organization. Let me know your thoughts on James Boog Knight on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Tomorrow, we're going to have our draft expert, Richard Stamen, on the show at Mavs Draft, talking all things draft. And so this is the final draft profile of the week. We'll have a lot more next week and a lot more from now into the draft. But this week, we covered Cade Cunningham. We covered Keon Johnson. We covered James Book Knight. And then Monday, we also had our mock draft of all the lottery teams, which we're going to do every single week. So we'll have that as well next week uh, for this podcast. Now, it's time to talk about the NBA playoffs. And the road to the finals are brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra got only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And you can enjoy the playoffs a lot more with a Michelob Ultra. I was drinking Michelob Ultra while watching my Dallas Mavericks take care of business on the road in LA. Game five, they go up 3-2 and push the Clippers to the brink. We'll get to how that is important for the Thunder coming up. But right now, let's talk about the Boston Celtics because they sent shockwaves throughout the NBA world this morning as Woj at about 10 a.m. is tweeting about how Danny Ainge is out. He's retiring. And Brad Stevens is out. He's not coaching anymore, but he is moving up to the GM, uh, President of Basketball Operations role. And now the Celtics need a head coach. And the Celtics tr- you know, thought about pursuing Sam Presti, who's from Massachusetts. And of course they tr- thought about pursuing him. Why wouldn't you pursue Sam Presti? I mean, it's, it's, it's the same as every other aspect of this kind of thing. Where, you know, for example, if Lincoln Riley left this year for some reason, went to the Cowboys, the, the, the Sooners would try to hire Nick Saban. Now, they'd probably fail. Like, they'd obviously fail. Uh, but you got to at least try or think about it. Hey, could we get Dabo Sweeney? Could we get Nick Saban? They'd think about it. Sure, the Celtics thought about hiring Sam Presti. He's one of the best in the sport, and he's from Massachusetts. What I find interesting is Mark Dignan. Now, luckily for the Thunder, he's not going anywhere. I do not think that Mark will leave this organization. But Mark is 35 years old, so he's a young up-and-coming head coach. He's from Massachusetts, and he's shown you this year he can handle an NBA roster very well and and handle an NBA locker room very well, even in the midst of all that the Thunder had to deal with this year. I believe that Mark is on pace to become a great head coach in this league, a top-five head coach in this league. And so it'd be interesting to see, as as the Celtics thought about pursuing Sam Presti, if they'll think about pursuing Mark, but I think that Mark is here to stay for the long haul. I think that really Sam and Mark are a package deal. And I think that they really enjoy this organization, what they've built together. And for Sam, you really want to see what you've done through. You want to see this process through that you've created. And for Mark, you have more comfortability and you have more of a kind of hands-on approach here in Oklahoma city than you would in Boston. Sure. In Boston, you could win right away. I fully believe if Mark coached Tatum and Brown that he'd be a hell of a coach and the Celtics would be a hell of a team. Like, I, I fully believe that. Uh, but because of the trust that Mark has in Sam, because of the trust that Sam has in Mark, and because of the way this organization handles business, Mark understands he's not a sitting duck. Like He's not going to get through this rebuild, right? And he's not going to sit here and lose these games these next couple of years. And then once the team's on the brink of being a playoff challenger and a playoff competitor – He's not going to get ousted and, and, and a new hot shot replaces him. No, Mark is here for the long haul. Mark is going to be your coach the next time this team's in the playoffs and the next time this team wants to have a championship window, right? So on Mark's side of things, why would you leave the situation? Why would you leave this organization who's given you everything to this point? And 
is going to give you input. Like, like I know that eventually Sam Presti, his vote will outride everyone, uh, but Mark will have a say in, in what he likes and prefers, and Sam Presti will utilize his information to make the most uh, beneficial choice possible. So I think that there's just a marriage here in Oklahoma City that's going to be unbreakable, at least for the for the near, near future. But I wouldn't blame the Celtics for trying to get Mark as I do not blame them for trying to get Sam. Like These are two really good and talented people who fill spots that you currently have open in your organization. I just think that the future is too bright and the future has too much of a reward to give up. Because if Sam Presti truly does complete this rebuild, as we all assume that he will, and he does cash in on these draft picks to perfection, or as close to it as possible, and he does build a championship team, then this is truly all on him. He gets all of the credit. And so does Mark. Mark stuck through it the whole time as well if this happens. Whereas in Boston, you're, you're, you're going to be under fire immediately, and it's going to kind of already be there. Like the framework of it will already be there. It'll be Tatum, it'll be Brown, and you kind of just inherited that and cleaned things up on the, on the margins. But of course, when these openings happen, it's the cost of doing business of having a really talented individual being your head coach and your GM slash president of basketball operations. But again, nothing will come from this, I don't think. I don't think anything will come from this at all in terms of Mark moving on from the Thunder already. But he is going to be a great coach in the NBA. Like He's going to be a very, very good coach in the NBA. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs coming up and talk about the Clippers and what they did in Game 5 against Dallas. But first, I'm going to say right now, about our good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can even track all your action at BetOnline. Get all of this news, odds, and information on all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or your mobile device, and you'll check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Head over to the website or even use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag, promo code locked on, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, your online sportbook experts. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. As we talk about the Boston boys, Mark and Sam, uh, we now transition into the NBA playoffs as Boston was eliminated by the Brooklyn Nets. In five games, who would have thunk it, right? But the the most interesting series right now happens between the Mavericks and the Clippers. Right? And I guess you could throw in there, of course, the Lakers and Suns as well. But in game five, after the Clippers go on to tie this series at two. So remember, we had a huge podcast about the Clippers going down 0-2. And the Clippers were really impressive because they got down by like 16 points in game three. And the AAC was rocking and rolling to start that game. And they came back. They not only won game three, but they won game four. And they were impressive because we've never seen them do that. We've never seen the Clippers be mentally strong and the Clippers rally and the Clippers kind of band the the, the team together, right, and play as a team. It's been a lot of individuals to this point and a lot of guys that look like they didn't really care to this point. 
And then they tied the series up and won both games on the road in Dallas and were returning home to LA and returning home under the assumption that Luca was a shell of himself because Luca got hurt. And yet, even while KP continues to be awful, even while the role players do not play that well, THJ had moments, Dorian had moments, uh, but altogether their, their numbers not great. And, and you only had two players in Dallas that had double figures, I believe, last night. And, and Luca, he salvaged the series. While hurt, he looked incredible. There were only six times that the, that the Mavericks scored where the bucket was not gotten by Luca or assisted by Luca. Luca was incredible. Luca was jaw dropping. Luca shows you why he's a top three player in this league. Luca shows you why there's no other player in this league that you'd rather start a franchise with than Luca. He was he was immaculate in Game Five. He won Game Five for Dallas. And now, this series swings back to Dallas. And now this series, 3-2 Dallas leads. They have a chance to close it out Friday at home with the only game on the docket being Dallas in L.A. because the, the Utah series ended tonight as well. All eyes of the NBA world are on L.A. now, and they're on the Clippers now. I do not see how the Clippers win this series now. The Mavs have two chances, two chances to do it. If the road team continues to win every single game of the series, Dallas will win the series because game seven is in LA. Dallas is probably going to pull this off and it creates some very difficult conversations around the Clippers because they have no assets anymore. And it depends how the NBA world will view Paul George this summer. Kawhi could leave this summer, although I don't, I don't think he will. I think that Kawhi loves being in LA more than he loves chasing more rings. But after losing the second round last year and now losing the postseason in the first round this year, if the Mavericks can hold on and do their job, the future is bleak for L.A. and it is even brighter for Oklahoma City. Celebrate in the streets of Bricktown on Friday night if Dallas can pull this off at home and close the door. But KP's awful. KP's terrible. And I think Al Horford will be incredible in Dallas, but I'm not sure why the Thunder would take back KP. I'm just not. We'll get into that more as the offseason progresses, but woof. I mean, I mean, what a bad, bad showing for KP this season, uh, especially this postseason. Now, Joel Embiid is suffering from a partial torn meniscus, and that's an injury that KP played through last year in the bubble. So them listing Joel at day-to-day is not necessarily um, a lie, but at Joel's size and the way that he plays the game, I'm just not sure how you can play through this more than maybe one game, and then and then truly hurt yourself even more. Because KP has not looked the same at all since that injury in the bubble. In the bubble. He's just not looked the same whatsoever. The stats, box score-wise, are still there, but you've got to actually watch the games to analyze, to analyze KP. He's just not where, where he needs to be, and then he has, of course, the media stuff as well. Uh, but for Joel Embiid, it, it just sucks. It just truly sucks because, as you know, I picked the Sixers to come out of the East. I love that Sixers team. And now we probably will not get to see it through because Joel will be hurt and because Joel can't play. And they should still beat Atlanta. They should still go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But without Joel, they're not going to beat the Bucs or the Nets. So that then makes this next round, Bucks versus Nets, the de facto Eastern Conference title, if Joel truly cannot play anymore. And I just don't know why you'd even try it on a partially torn meniscus because the, the only way to go is down from here for this injury in, in a bad, bad way. But it just sucks. I mean, it just sucks so much. Or a guy like Joel who's battled injuries his entire career 
and now he's playing at the MVP level that he is, and he has a chance to get this team to a championship and to the NBA Finals, and you know it's just it's just gone, poof. I mean, just gone on a on a pretty rough play uh, against the Wizards. I'm excited for Friday, excited for the Mavs, and we'll talk to Mavs draft tomorrow on Friday uh, to get all the latest scoops on the NBA draft. But we're probably going to dive into the Mavs a little bit as well because of how much that series means to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. We'll be going live on Locker Room this morning on Thursday morning. So tune into that as well. And by doing that, you can just follow me again on Locker Room. Same thing as to my Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, be good and be good to one another.